Welcome to the Hunt Back Country podcast today. This is a Monday Minute episode. Normally that means it is Steve and myself answering your listener questions, but today we're going to do something a bit different. Uh, before we get into what that is exactly, we just returned from the Western Hunting and Conservation Expo uh, with Exo Mountain Gear, Steve and myself, Jake, Pat, Justin. We had such a great time there. We got to meet many of you guys. So if you are a podcast listener that stopped by to say hello, uh, man, truly thank you. It's so good to actually um, connect with the people out there. You know, oftentimes we're hitting publish on these episodes and, you know, we'll get emails and questions and all that we really appreciate. But being able to meet you guys in person is truly fantastic. So Anyone who stopped by, whether that was to say hello because of the podcast or to check out our new K4 pack systems from Exo Mountain Gear, thanks for doing that. It was pretty chaotic there for a while, so especially to those who were kind of patient and waited through um, just a very busy booth. Thank you, especially. But because we just got back, um, we didn't have time to record a Monday Minute episode, but I did want to get something out there for you guys today. And that is me sharing a podcast that I did with my friend Kyle Camp. Kyle has been on our podcast several times throughout the years. He runs Valley to Peak Nutrition and is a fantastic resource for nutrition and training. And within the past year, Kyle started his own podcast. And occasionally I've joined him on some of those episodes. And Kyle and I had a conversation pretty recently that I thought was worth sharing with you guys. So today for this Monday Minute, I'm actually sharing this podcast episode that is from Kyle's podcast, the Volley to Peak Nutrition Podcast. But if you're interested in training, whether that's kind of putting on some muscle or losing some extra weight or nutrition, it's a great time of year to be doing it. I mean, some of us made New Year's resolutions that probably already haven't gone as planned, Some of us are maybe delaying, and we encourage you guys to not delay. Don't wait till right before hunting season to make some progress in these areas. But the thing I love about this episode and conversation with Kyle is that we just simplified things, made it really easy, really practical, and I know there's some takeaways in here for you guys. So that's what we're doing today. We're sharing this episode from Kyle's podcast, the Valley to Peak Nutrition Podcast, If you want to learn more about his podcast or subscribe, search for that podcast in whatever podcast app you're using currently, and I'm sure you'll find it there. Or I will also leave a link in the show description directly to his podcast. Let's dive right in. Welcome back to the Valley to Peak podcast. It's Mark and I today, and we're going to continue the um, series that we started that we're kind of calling No Off Season. And this one is, I would probably guess, one of the questions that comes up the most often, and it's usually comes up in July 31st. How do I put on muscle or and or you know lose weight for a September hunt or backpacking trip or what have you um mark how are you good appreciate it it's uh definitely a hot topic i'm sure for you yeah i mean you guys i think even i know a lot of like exo customers will email you because they know you enjoy this piece of things too do you get a lot of questions like this around fall time yeah i mean it's uh i feel like it varies because 
a lot of times guys will tie it to when they confirm a hunt. So the guys who book something ahead of time, like they know, oh, I have this hunt on the calendar. That's one thing. But then the guys who like draw a tag and maybe they don't find out until mm-hmm. a little bit later, depending on what state it's on. Like it's like that's the switch that flips mm-hmm. that gets them into, oh, this is real. Um, and then we definitely do just seasonally. There's more interest as you get into summer um, and get closer. So, yeah, I think if guys, you know, a lot of guys will focus on this like two to three months out. But if you can be focusing on it. 10 months out, you're only setting yourself up for more success. I think there's a, I mean, when you talk about, when you talk about both topics, either putting on muscle or trying to lose weight, there's so many different directions you could go in. I mean, these alone could be whole podcast series in and of themselves. But when I was thinking about it, I tried to think what's the most simple way that we could break this down. I thought there's nutrition for fat loss, nutrition for gaining muscle, training for fat loss, training for gaining muscle. Is there anything else that you can think of that would be of importance than that, more important than that? No, I think those are obviously the big components. I would just say from a super high level, and I'm not telling you this, Kyle, you talk about this all the time, but no matter what your goal is, the most important thing, whether you're trying to gain muscle, lose weight, have fat loss, et cetera, is like diet, nutrition, but just from a super big picture, it's consistency and intention like managing um and tracking uh which a lot of guys don't want to do but whether your goal is to lose weight and lose fat or gain muscle you just have to be consistent and intentional and if you want to do it effectively um you just have to track things and have an actual plan that you're going to follow and at the same time you know be ready to adapt of course but it's just not as simple as saying I want to lose weight, so I'm going to run more and eat less. Like, okay, that's potentially somewhat effective. Or I want to gain muscle, so I'm just going to eat everything in sight and lift heavy stuff. Um, Again, marginally effective. But if you want to do something, do it well. It's like it's worth creating a plan and just being intentional about it. I think it's there's probably no better preface than that in terms of, okay, so, you know, both of these have a very specific map to them for success. Like for example, whether your goal is to lose fat or to gain muscle, you can't just go into a gym, jump on a machine and get in better shape. There's a very specific approach on how you do that. And that's one of the things that we'll talk about. The second is if you toe in, toe out, toe in, toe out of any approach you will never see that main goal come to fruition. There has to be consistency as that's a part of it. And I think even maybe another good preface before we look at each one of these individually is you really, well, we'll talk about that. (laughs) I was going to say, I was going to say you really can't do both at, at, at the same time, but there are two, there are two particular scenarios where that's possible outside of those two particular particular scenarios, you really have to run them in phases, right? Focus on one and then potentially look at focusing on the other one separate from that because the nutrition for for each of them is a bit is a bit different. So we'll tackle the the losing weight more specifically than weight, like because most people will say, well, you know, I don't really care about my scale number. What I care about is body composition and fat loss. So we'll we'll talk about it in the terms of fat loss. 
and then look at it in terms of um, gaining muscle. From the fat loss perspective, you and I have both talked about our personal experiences and that we had both lost weight and that that weight had been a reasonably significant amount. But I don't think that either of us have ever talked about how we did it. Do you remember your approach to it when you lost it? Yeah, I mean, initial like this was uh, a long time ago, so my brain's a bit foggy. It was, uh, let's see, my daughter's turning 14 tomorrow. So this was like 13 to 14 years ago. Um, I law and I, I don't have like perfect time frames because I don't remember all this, but call it over the course of the year, I lost like 50 ish pounds. Uh, and back then I knew a lot less than I know now in terms of nutrition. So it was, it's so going back to my point earlier about being intentional and specific and having a plan, I will say the one caveat to that, at least from my personal experience, is. The further away from your goal you are or the worse shape you are, the easier it is to make progress. So if you're like, say, 50 to 100 pounds overweight, it's going to be a lot easier for you to lose some weight without being super structured or intentional just because you're, you can change some of your daily habits and see progress, right? So for me in the beginning, I didn't need to like be in my fitness pal or have this like grand revelation about nutrition. I just need to stop eating less ice cream, right? (laughs) So it started off in terms of just very general of making better choices and then being more active. Um, That was for me at the time um, and over the course of the year, just a lot of the typical cardio and kind of meal prep like baked chicken, et cetera, um, which I wouldn't want to go back to now. But yeah, it, it again, started off with very simple changes and choices of both eating less and then eating higher quality and then just being more active. And then over the course of time, as I got closer to what I would consider not a goal weight, but a, a more proper weight, um, I had to be more specific if I wanted to continue to either make changes or figure out once I got to that leveling off point of here's the weight range I want to be in. What does my new normal look like? What is going to keep me here? Um, And I've done that for 13 years at this point, right? Like I've been plus or minus five pounds of the same weight ever since I, you know, went through that journey. Um, and I've yeah just been super consistent for the last dozen years or so. Yeah, the point on the you know the more that there is for you to lose, the you've got a gigantic margin for error. Meaning, just about anything you change is going to produce some progress, and that's really encouraging because it's just going to motivate you to want to do more. Yeah, and same for muscle building, right? Like if you've never touched a weight before, or you're complete desk jockey and you start doing 100 push-ups a day something simple right yeah. like you can make some progress yeah the you know the 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 whole quote-unquote newbie gains is a is a real thing and like when you look at mm-hmm. the the data and the literature this is where the two groups come in the only two groups that we know of who can simultaneously be successful with fat loss and building muscle are one 
people who are brand new, never lifted, never been exposed to exercise at all. You will never put on more muscle mass than you will in your first year of lifting. And then the second group, which is really kind of one B, not really necessarily, I don't, I don't think it's like an entirely second group, but the, you know, the, the, the nerds who measure this stuff do is people who were formally fit became unfit and are now getting fit again. They also are in that category that can simultaneously put on lean muscle mass while losing fat. Outside of that, people who are well-trained, people who have been training for years, et cetera, you, you have to run thing and you have to run things in phases versus trying to, you know, kill two birds with one stone. You, you simply can't. It, I don't want to say the effort will be wasted, but I think you'll be disappointed with I think the I think the expectation will be unrealistic. And at the end, you will feel like, oh, I didn't get what, you know, I didn't get what I was promised when in reality, the expectation is what was wrong. It's not necessarily that you didn't get what you were promised or what you thought you deserved. Mm-hmm. So yeah, mar- margin for error, huge whenever you, um, if you've got a lot to lose. If you've got very little to lose, it's funny you bring this up because we have people right now who have been in Valley to Peak a while, they're close to... Uh, transitioning into the maintenance phase of the program and they're having a really hard time with the last like five to 10. And the conversation often circles around the fact of you have to be very precise. The margin for error that you grew accustomed to in the beginning isn't there anymore. And if you're okay with where you are, that's fine. But if you say, Hey, I I really want, you know, this extra, three percent body whatever it is that the goal is is really important to me you have to double down on the tracking you have to ensure what's coming in is actually coming in you have to you know it is a higher level of scrutiny if that's important to you so that's a really good good point to to make up front (laughs) first up and i think this is a very common question do you have to exercise for fat loss I, you're the expert, Kyle. My layman opinion is absolutely not. I think you should. I think there's a, you know, a million benefits to exercise, being physically active and more importantly, like in my opinion, being physically capable. Um, And so I, I personally look at, and this is a side tangent. I look at physical activity, training, fitness, working out, quote unquote, is developing maintaining and enhancing my capability as a human meaning if it were all about like running or doing whatever to lose weight i'd be far less interested for me it's much more about i want to be capable of doing things going places having adventures doing things with my kids for a really long time and so i look at training from that perspective and yes it helps me like stay in shape or you know lose weight if that's one of my goals but you tell me i think your answer would be Kyle, a pure calorie deficit will allow you to lose weight. And one of the ways you can enter or enhance a calorie deficit is to simply burn more calories. Yeah. Bingo. (laughs) Right. I mean, so with, with everything, with all the information that is adrift out there right now about, you know, methods for losing fat and uh, methods for losing weight and dietary strategies and being in this state of 
magical fat loss, like the one that everyone is the most familiar with and kind of the du jour of the time, which is kind of slipping out of favor is keto, you know, ketosis, ketosis, right? You're in ketosis and that's this fat burning stage. And, you know, even that's not entirely true, but at the end of the day, what we know is a simple calorie deficit, regardless of approach is going to produce fat loss, right? You cannot get around the law of thermodynamics. Now, what you said was also perfect, which was you do not have to exercise to lose weight. There are many people in Valley Peak now, many people in the hospital that I've worked with who who do or can't do any exercise and they lose weight simply by ensuring there's a calorie deficit. So exercise can be a way to create a larger deficit. So like, for example, if you say, look, no way am I eating less food, then you can use what we call the lever of activity to create your deficit. Keep your intake the same, pull the lever of activity, you create the deficit, fat loss goes goes down. I think the best definition I've ever heard of exercise is the one that you just gave. Exercise can be used to create a calorie deficit, but it also can be used to enhance some physical, your physical capability to do things that you love, right? And so we can, we'll talk a little bit more about that too, whenever it comes to the muscle piece of things. The one argument that I would have on why you should really, really, really consider adding it as a part would be for resistance training. The more muscle mass you carry, the greater your calorie need will be at rest versus you with no muscle mass. And that just makes A, losing weight a lot easier, and B, it makes maintenance a lot easier once you've achieved whatever your fat loss goal is, right? So adding some resistance training in, or you know, in other words, lifting weights, um, can provide tremendous value when it comes to maintaining your weight in addition to, you know, to losing it. Mm-hmm. So cardio is the one that's the most hated by everyone. You do not have to do it, but that would mean you would have to figure out a way that you are creating a calorie deficit by way of pulling on the nutrition lever since you're not going to rely on the activity lever. So creating a deficit is either going to be done through consuming less food, creating a greater energy expenditure, working harder, doing some form of exercise and or a combination of both. I'm gonna eat a little less and I'm gonna add in a little more exercise, right? So you don't have to do it, but it can be extremely advantageous for for all of the reasons that we just outlined. Mm. This is, uh, let me ask this question. You can tell me the answer is coming later. I don't want to skip ahead. Two individuals come to you, Kyle. They're the same age, the same weight, whatever. We're just making twins up theoretically. They both want to lose 25 pounds. Let's say they're twins. They're brothers. So they're the same person. One of them tells you, I want to lose 25 pounds. The other one says, I want to lose 25 pounds. You know that one of them is going to do more cardio-based training and you know that the other one's like i hate running i'm never going to run i am going to modify the lever based off of a deficit yes but we'll also do some strength or resistance training how different would their diet look both in terms of total calories which is less of my question 
more of my question is how different does their composition look from a macro perspective? That's an excellent question. So I think, I think first, when you, when you think about fat loss in my experience, and this is definitely true of men, you want, you were not, you don't care about the scale. You don't, necessarily care about fat loss you want a body composition change right like you want to you want to be able to do stuff yes you want to be able to perform optimally in the mountains or whatever but you also want to look good and anybody who says they don't is a liar your composition at the end of a fat loss phase if you do lose those 25 pounds via calorie deficit and resistance training with no cardio or via calorie deficit no resistance training and with cardio you will have two dramatically different looking people at the end of that, right? The, the, the guy who does resistance training with no cardio and keeps track of his nutrition will have that very lean muscular physique that most men have said they want. On the flip side of that, the guy who does predominantly cardiovascular based activity and creates calorie deficit also loses 25 pounds won't have that right i mean the only way to achieve that is you have to do some resistance training period that's just the reality of it from a dietary composition or a macro composition you know if they both were assigned the same number of calories the guy doing cardio based stuff would probably need a higher carbohydrate based diet because he's doing a more endurance based stuff lower in protein because he's not doing any resistance based activity the guy who's doing more lifting, probably moderately higher in protein. And I'm not even going to say lower in carbohydrate because that activity still requires some, some carbohydrates. So you, you, there's, a, there's, a, there's a few different ways you can look at it from an adherence standpoint, because deficits are like, nobody likes to be told eat less, <laughs> right? From a strictly adherence standpoint, how, how likely are you to stick to this? If the calories are controlled and the protein threshold is met based on your activity output, I don't care what the macros look like aside from that. It can be high in fat. It can be high in carbs. You can eat no veggies. You can eat a ton of veggies. You can eat at McDonald's. You can eat a Chick-fil-A. You can grow everything that you eat and eat from your garden. It doesn't necessarily matter not only to me, but it will not have any effect on your total weight loss, the speed of your weight loss, or your ability to maintain that at the end of your weight loss once the goal is reached, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. Does that answer your question? Yeah, yeah, for sure. What I have found is, you know, I, it, it's not like I have any authority, of course, but people take comfort when they hear someone who studies a certain subject and they say look this is the way that it works what i have found is when you give people that flexibility to just eat things that they enjoy their ability to be consistent is way higher and the comforting thing is is like this isn't the kyle 2.0 strategy this is literally how it works right and <laughs> and so you get like you now get to eat mac and cheese with your kids if you want it now you can't eat the whole box no but it also doesn't mean that you've got to be in the corner eating your white rice and boiled broccoli while the kids eat pizza either right and so it just gives 
tremendous flexibility and people find, um, I think people find a lot of freedom in that. Yeah. Yeah. I would like, uh, as you know, Kyle, but for like listener context in the last two, I don't even know what it's been two months, probably, uh, for me coming out of hunting season, I always come out of hunting season a little bit lighter, but I, I wanted to, for myself, like recalibrate my intake and nutrition and trim down a little bit and wait and just kind of see how I felt. And so I've been tracking and in, in a deficit and it's been encouraging to me to see like, yes, at first a deficit, you have to like adjust to that, right? It's still a deficit. You know, you have to kind of recalibrate. You're going to feel hungry sometimes, but at no point did I feel like I was completely denying myself of anything. As long as you're doing some planning, like I still had pizza night. I've had numerous pizza nights, right? Like in all of these things and we've gone through Thanksgiving and I've gone to parties and it hasn't been this crazy, you know, level of perfection and you have to say no to everything enjoyable as long as you're kind of following that 80-20 kind of 90-10 rule and actually tracking and just paying attention. Um, It's been a good reminder for me to be like, yeah, you know what? You can ins- you can make progress and still enjoy yourself at the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a it's a it's a good point. A good point to remember. And something you said in there is the adjustment when you enter a deficit. Like you know, again, I can only go off my experience. I don't want to just cast the net broad, but my experience, people feel like they should begin this thing and there's no discomfort, right? There's, I don't feel any difference. This is like, this is great. I feel like I could cruise forever. The reality is if a confirming, let's call it, let's call it a metric, a confirming metric that you are in a deficit is there some hunger present, (laughs) right? It should be Mm. subtle. It shouldn't be so aggressive that you just find yourself like, you know, proverbially gripping to the day, like just trying to get through the day because you're so hungry. If it's that aggressive, you're in too big of a deficit. But to notice a couple hours after you've eaten, like I could probably go for something pretty soon. That's pretty normal. And your body will adapt. That'll get easier. And depending upon the, you know, the total depending upon how how big your goal is that will happen several times as you continue to progress right because the other thing that's that's good to know about about the fat loss piece is it's dynamic like you don't just like if you if you're starting calorie intake for a deficit is 2500 calories let's say you don't just enter 25 and then ride it until you get to your goal weight it changes over time the body adapts to that you have to throw a new change at it. That is the that is the essence of a plateau, and you know a lot of people get really concerned about a plateau and think that the ground has just run out. Like this is all I'm going to get. Like something's wrong with me. My metabolism's broken. And the reality is, is no, it's working exactly how it should. You just have to adjust, right? And so, yeah, those mm-hmm. are all um, all good points to remember. And you bring up a great one as far as hunger goes. Y- you will like we we rate it and when people check in on a scale of, of one to five, one way that I know it's about time to change is when progress stops and they're ranking things at a five, meaning I'm not hungry at all. I could do this all day. 
you've adapted. We got to change something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't want you can't. So when can't beautify when that happens, roughly about like what's a typical adjustment then? Like how many calories Dro- are you dropping for that person? It will depend, but on a um, on a conservative side, hundred. You'd be surprised at what a, a hundred calorie reduction will do. On a little more aggressive side, and if it's been stubborn, ten percent. So if someone's okay. been at let's call it twenty five hundred, and or two fifty, yeah, two fifty, two fifty. My um, observation has been to ninety nine point nine time at times out of a hundred, if you hit a plateau pretty early on. It's got nothing to do with the plan or an adaptation. You're not honest <laughs> in your intake. You're not tracking honestly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, there's something coming in that you're not accounting for somewhere, right? And that could be as simple as like, oh man, I didn't take into account the fact that I finished the kid's plate last night and then took a swig of milk. And now that might only be 150 calories and that might not be enough calories to cause you to put on five pounds that week but it could be enough to prevent you from losing at all. You may just stay stable, right? You may, there may be no movement versus some, because you got to think like, you know, if you make a, let's call it, you know, 200 calorie error per day at the end of a week, that's 1400 calories that just didn't get accounted for. And it, it may not be enough to set you backwards, but it most certainly could be enough to prevent you from progressing. And, you know, those, those are those things where you were talking about earlier, me as an example, when I had 140 pounds to lose 200 calorie miscalculation didn't mean anything. I'd drop, I'd still would lose, but as, as time Mm -hmm. progressed and I got lower and lower and lower and lower in weight, 200 calories would easily put me at a plateau, right? Until I started to account for those things. Yeah. All right. So simple fat loss piece of things you don't need cardio you've got to be in a deficit i like it easy enough <laughs> easy people won't believe it easy easy to talk about i mean oh, doing that's, it's all so that's so true that's so true consistency and discipline all right so if we transition into okay hey i'm not worried about my weight at all but i would like to put on some muscle or maybe a better, maybe better phrasing for this would be, I'd like to improve my performance. I I don't want to be bulky. Like I'm not trying to put on muscle in the sense of literally grow the inches of circumference around my bicep. I don't care about any of that. I just, I want to be better. I want to improve physically. Is there any other than the calorie piece? Is there any one thing in your mind that also changes when you start thinking about trying to improve your performance um, separate from the fat loss piece of things? Uh, what comes to mind, two things come to mind. One, like beating the dead horse, but having an actual plan, meaning like you have some form of structured training that is strategic and that doesn't mean it has to be complicated but like if you're trying to either put on strength or size there needs to be a progression here Um, you need to be able to know that you're getting stronger and intentionally add weight or reps or what have you Um, so that's one is making sure that your training is actually structured 
The second is actually just recovery to me because as you're trying to increase performance and as you're increasing training load and as you're on a training plan that is progressive, you can only progress in that if you're also giving the body enough recovery. Um, I mean, the whole point, especially with resistance and strength training is like to dumb it down. is like to create some level of damage in a sense that you then recover from. So it's, you know, the recovery piece is just so important. And this applies to more than just strength training. This could be performance with something more like hiking or running. But um, yeah, I would just say that as you, one is structured and then two is recovery. And I think if you have both of those, that's what's going to enable you to, aside from nutrition, enable you to actually achieve your goals. That's exactly what I said was the biggest thing in my mind that changes when you want to improve performance is the training piece of things. And under that umbrella was really two specific things. One, specificity. So like there's a lot that floats around, at least that I've seen is, you know, like just go hammer yourself with these non-specific workouts and you'll be in better shape. And then that will mean you'll get, you'll, you'll be able to make it in the mountains. That is terrible advice. If you want to be better at something specific, like let's just call it hiking or weighted pack hiking, your training needs to revolve around weighted pack hiking, right? How, how can you become better at weighted pack hiking? You can follow a progression of that. And that was the second piece of it. There needs to be a progression. So you can't, you can't say, well, I'm going to put 25 pounds in the pack and go on a three mile hike every Tuesday and Thursday from June to September. And then I will be ready to go hiking. There has to be a progression in which you're either trying to increase total volume, the number of days that you're doing it, the amount of weight that you're carrying, the time that you're doing it in, something has to constantly challenge you. And that's the I mean, the body, human body is just so fascinating to me. And that's one of the reasons why is because there will come a point where that 25 pound uh, weighted pack hike, let's call it three miles, and you're doing it twice a week seems really hard in the beginning, it will become nothing to the body, right? And if you want to continue to progress or improve, you have to add a new stimulus, which is either more weight, more time, more exposure, meaning now it goes Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday, Monday, Tuesday, right? So you're adding some some form of that in there. There's That is one thing that I think has been maybe the most eye-opening thing. The thing that I've learned the most since I initially started getting interested in exercise and losing my weight is just how important training structure is if you want to get better at something versus I'm just going to go to the gym and work out. And that means I'm going to get fitter. And I'd say that that's part one. And then along the same lines, like you were talking about with recovery is how sore you are is not a direct translation to how effective the workout was. If you're missing subsequent workouts because you are so sore, you're missing the point, right? I mean that, and that is the beauty of having an actual training program is is a, a good one is going to be designed that it designed in such a way that over time you're exposed to more and more and more which reduces injury risk 
and allows you not to miss any workouts. So, you know, at the end of that, at the end of that training program, you're doing things that you couldn't fathom doing in the beginning, but because you slowly built up to those, it's allow you to adapt over time, which reduces soreness and injury risk. Mm -hmm. So specificity and progression, two important things when it comes to the training piece of things, I think. Yeah, absolutely. What, so in terms of not, not just putting on weight or gaining muscle, like, yeah, we've talked about that, but in terms of, let's call it increased performance of what we've been talking about here recently and me mentioning what I called recovery, but I do think that nutrition is part of that, call it recovery in a way, but what role does nutrition play in enabling you to continue to progress when you have that specified training plan? That's a great question. So on its on a, on a, from a surface level, and you probably start to see a theme here, your intake, your calorie intake needs to be at or slightly above your maintenance to put yourself in a position to progressively improve performance. If you're in a deficit, there literally is not enough fuel present for you to progress. Right. There literally isn't enough fuel there to allow you to achieve whatever your genetic potential is as far as, you know, whatever that is, either carrying weight or improving, you know, your half marathon time, whatever it is, there's not enough fuel there. So your calorie intake has to be at or slightly above your maintenance. As you progressively add in more volume, whatever that looks like, either frequency or time or weight or whatever you have to simultaneously increase that intake above whatever your baseline was. So if maintenance was 2,500 calories for you, and that's doing, you know, workout three times a week, and now you're increasing to four, maybe now you need to increase it from 2,500 up to 2,800 to accommodate the increase in volume, right? And to keep yourself in that maintenance position and and, and prime to continue to progress in terms of performance. From a macro standpoint, when you're supplying the body with enough calories, the need for really, really high protein is not as significant. One of the reasons high protein is important when you're in a deficit is because there is some risk the body's going to convert that protein into energy rather than using it for recovery of the muscle. But when you're supplying enough energy, that risk goes away. So now just modest protein intake is enough to accomplish the goal of repairing the muscle. Whereas in, in a deficit, you need a little bit extra because you're assuming some losses for energy versus recovery of the muscle. Carb needs are also still high once you're at, um, once you're in a position where you're trying to put on muscle and improve performance too, because a you're doing more volume. So naturally that's going to need, mean that you're going to need more of the fuel source. But second to that, we know that carbohydrates are what we call protein sparing. So the more energy that's present for the actual muscle to go perform, the less, again, you're risking any of that protein being used for energy rather than recovering the muscle. So it's important to have enough calories. It's important for those calories to progressively increase as your training load increases. And it's important to know that 
the you know the percentage of your calories coming from carbohydrate is also important to ensure that the protein you are eating is being used for recovery rather than energy so all that makes sense that was a mouthful no it does make sense yeah you have to think about it but it makes sense <laughs> yeah so i mean in reality these are two somewhat complicated topics but really not right i mean to there's fundamental principles yes there are some basic fundamental principles that really if if you know if these two things under each category are not happening all of the nuances that you're worrying about mean nothing you will never progress without these two you have to be in a deficit for fat loss you have to be at a maintenance or surplus for improving your performance. And then most importantly is some sort of systematic training program based on whatever it is that you're wanting to do in terms of performance. The big question, and this is not rhetorical, this is a literal question. <laughs> How long should you gauge for something like this, right? Because this is going to be, this is being released in January way before anybody has anything planned. So anybody listening to it would have really no excuse, right? I mean, there's plenty of time still on the table. Is it something you should start now or should you wait until June and only run it for 12 weeks? Yeah, so I think it depends where you're coming from, right? Um, how much progress and or adaptation do you need to make to feel like you're going to be in your prime for whatever however you define that for whatever your activity is um the way that the way that i look at it and you know you can throw all the cliches like i and i feel this way it's easier to stay in shape than get in shape and yada 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 um i think the closer you get to something the more specific you need to be and we've we've talked about that in in many ways right like the closer you get to your goal weight the more specific or careful you need to be with your total calorie intake same thing for um training adaptation and improved performance the closer you get to say this big hunt um the more specific you need to be with preparing to do that exact thing so if it's January and you're hearing this now and you're saying, I need to quote unquote, get in better shape. And maybe that's for, let's say it's a hunt in the fall. I don't think you need to start training specifically for your hunt. I think you need to start training. I think you need to start building fitness. Um, maybe that does mean an increase in cardio. Maybe it, it it means an increase in strength. It depends where you're coming from. But as you get closer to that hunt or whatever your event is, the more specific your training needs to be. So the way that this comes up as an example is we give away a free training program through EXO um, that we developed or really the guys at Atomic Athlete developed for us, but we worked with them. And so there's this uh, training program we give away for free and depending on how you do it, it's roughly six to eight weeks to complete it. And it's scaled. So you can, can you could go through it in six weeks and then basically complete it again, but kind of at this next level. So there's levels built into it. 
if I have a guy coming to me in January and says, I'm going on a mountain goat hunt in September, I'm going to tell him, you don't have to do this training program right now, this hunt specific training program. You can. And if you do do it at level one, but don't repeat it right now, take a break from it. I'm just going to say that you should address your current level of fitness and either choose to attack any weaknesses you feel like you have. Maybe that's cardio, maybe that's strength, or choose to very specifically engage in whatever level of activity and whatever type of activity is going to improve your fitness, but that you enjoy. Meaning maybe you have this mountain goat hunt in September and maybe you're going to say, I need to lose 15 pounds. And maybe you happen to really like basketball. I would say go play pickup basketball like two or three times a week if you're not doing that now and go enjoy basketball and get in better shape. And when you're there, run hard and run up and down that court and do whatever your thing. And playing basketball is not going to make you a better hunter in September, except it is because you're building a base level of fitness. And then as you get closer to the hunt, that's when we're going to start transitioning and being more specific. So maybe you end up cutting back on basketball. Maybe you're only doing basketball once a week in June because you now have started this training program. So that was all a very weird made up example. Um, but that's one thing I, I, I don't want guys to get stuck on is at the end of the day, again, something you talk about a lot, Kyle, choose both in nutrition and in fitness or activity, choose something that you enjoy. And that is something you can sustain for a long time. And then sprinkle in doses of specificity when you either have an event you need to train for or when you just feel like I'm chasing this goal right now, then be specific towards that goal. But other times, like have the freedom to just do what you enjoy. Um, I just think it's really important to not get so stuck on if I want to be a better hunter or hiker or backpacker or whatever, this is all I can do for the whole year is just this one thing. You're just going to burn yourself out. Uh, it's such good advice. Like <clears throat> people will say, well, you know, like how long do you think this will take? I don't know. Start. <laughs> I don't know. Right. I mean, it depends on, it depends on, 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 on how big your goal is, but I will say this, don't let that predicate when you're going to begin and you're a hundred percent right. Maybe you can't right now fathom getting through the first phase of that atomic athlete uh, programming that, that you guys had worked on, but maybe, maybe, maybe it's starting to walk. Maybe it's just developing the discipline of being active, right? Just getting up three days a week and going for a walk. And, you know, maybe that's every day from six to seven in the morning, you begin walking three times a week. And then as spring gets here, that transition and transitions into, you know, you start doing some resistance training on those same three days. And then maybe once summer gets here, that transitions into, well, now two days a week, I do strength training one day a week, I do a hike, right? I mean, just begin to develop the habit now because you, you said it so good, just you may need a base before you enter this. And I will tell you this, like there's been times before where I've been zealous training for something that maybe wasn't until midsummer. I start, I start the training in January. I loathe it by June. Right. I mean, I'm just over it at that point. And just like, you know, the, 
and it, this is so cliche, but part of having, I would say this too, well, having an event to, to, to train for is so helpful to, you know, versus mm-hmm. like just going to exercise to burn calories. I hate that. And we've talked about that a lot. That is monotonous. And if you can't picture yourself like going in and jumping on an elliptical for the sake of racking up 100 calories burned in 10 minutes, you're not alone. That's We're not talking about that at all. Having an event on the calendar to train for is great. And this is the cliche part to finish my statement. Truly, the journey is the funnest part, right? The, the build up to the event itself and then like getting to the event and feeling like, man, I can tell a big difference. All of my effort has paid off like that. It's the whole thing, you know, in the, in the weeks leading up to it, that's, that's so fun versus the three days of the event itself or the seven days of the event itself. So, you know, you're right. Maybe right now you're not jumping, you know, head over heels into the event training itself, but work on building a base that will support that training once you get there. Like maybe right now you you want to do phases one, two, and three of that atomic programming, but you can't squat. You can't squat to play with your kids. Like you can't even squat your body weight. So maybe right now it's resistance training, building up that base so you can do phase one of it. And I think that that's, that's a great um, perspective to have. And the same with the nutrition. Maybe you're not Maybe you don't ever want to track. Maybe you don't want that level of scrutiny. And instead, you'd rather just, you know, I'd rather just eat three meals a day. That's it. Like, I'm not going. There's been times, especially in the hospital, I would meet with, um, I remember truckers for some reason specifically. And I think it's because, you know, like you're on the road and you go to a gas station, like you stop at Pilot, you get a bag of hot fries and you get a bag of jerky and you get a soda and you get, you get all this stuff just to like pass the miles and so like the only goal that we would set is just eat eat three meals, eat a breakfast, eat a lunch, eat a dinner. And outside of that, have no calories. That alone would create a deficit, right? And a lot of times like they would lose 20, 25 pounds changing nothing else. They didn't clean up anything. They didn't eat clean. They didn't meal prep for nine hours on a Sunday. They didn't do any of that. They just yeah. ate a meal, right? Rather than sitting there and eating at all hours of the day. And so... You know, it could be as simple as that, but, you know, I don't know how long it'll take. It'll depend on the depth of your goal. But I would say the, the, the mantra that it sounds like we're both saying is just start. Start with something simple and, and start. The later you start, the longer it takes. It's a good, good word to end on. If you have any questions or future topics you'd like to hear covered on the show, shoot those over to us uh, in an email at info at v2pnutrition.com. And I would be more than happy to take those on. Appreciate you joining us this week. Have a great week. We'll see you again here in a couple weeks.